the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday, August the 1st, and you are tuned in to uh, Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can get in touch with us. You can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Good morning, fellas. Morning. What's up? How are we doing this morning? Pretty good. Can't complain. There you go. Good. I'm doing fine as well. Good. Guys, uh, do anything fun yesterday? See anything cool yesterday outside of sports? No? Not really. <laughs> yeah, you watched the, uh, the the quarterfinals that were going on for TVT. Obviously heard that's going to be an action here uh, coming up tomorrow in Philadelphia. Um, and I, I've i had one of the riskiest gambles that we all know as uh, people that work full-time jobs. Falling asleep about 6 o'clock in the evening. Mm, sometimes oh you're just so tired, you wake up and there's sunlight out. And then sometimes you wake up at... 11 p.m. and then you can't fall back. You either asleep. wake up in a panic or you wake up not knowing where you're at. Well, if, if, for my case, I was I woke up at 11 and couldn't fall back asleep until oh. like five in the morning, which yeah. was it was it was profitable. I got to watch the 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 women's soccer team was in action uh, three o'clock in the morning against Portugal. It was a terrible game, but I had something to do when I was up in the early hours. That's what I love um, the Summer Olympics when they're in like Australia, New Zealand, you know, China, somewhere like that, where the the time zones are completely different than ours. Because you wake up in the middle of the morning, middle of the night, and you can watch, you know, ping pong, or you watch uh, badminton. You watch all the cool sports are always on, especially during the Summer Olympics, uh, in the middle of the night when they're out that way. But yeah, there's a, it's a double edged sword. Do you, are you guys old enough to remember falling asleep and then uh, with the TV on and waking up to uh, the music compilation CDs? Mm. You guys don't oh, that? like the uh, like the People greatest, hit, the greatest, yeah, the greatest hits, hits yeah. the greatest hits. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. These no. are the golden hits. I, I never, I never <laughs> fell asleep in front of the TV, but people always said that it was the George Lopez show. Yes. That yeah, was, that yeah, was a big George one. Lopez it's, show. It's George Lopez, like every time. Or you you wake up and it's the uh, it's like a TV shopping network infomercial and it's like spinning diamonds or like <laughs> spinning things on the table. <laughs> this Indian quarter. <laughs> <laughs> is out yeah, of stock. Wheat, this wheat penny, get your collection together. All those people together. that say if you don't buy silver, you're going to die in five <laughs> yeah. years. This commemorative coin. Oh <laughs> Talking my. about the thing. <laughs> well, anyways, like I said, <laughs> you can get in touch with us. You can text us 304-263-4321. Uh, I especially want uh, the folks to let us know, who do you think is going to come out on top in the EPAC in football this year? Now, football season it's well, never stops in the state of West Virginia or the Panhandle, but it's officially getting going again. Uh, right now, football season's back, if you can believe it or not, fellas. But Texas, who do you think is going to come out on top of the Panhandle? 304-263-4321. And it seems like, of course, it's all early doors, right? But uh, the big three, if you will, are going to be pretty good again. Of course, your Martinsburg is always reloading. Your Musselman uh, seems like they should be able to build off a good season last year. And then Hedgesville is... Somewhat of the wild card, I would say, uh, for football this year, right, fellas? Because they've gotten, 
what? They've got a couple transfers in uh, that I think could be some pretty key additions. But, you know, will that translate on the field? We don't know. So uh, I'll pose the question to y'all. Who do you think is going to come out on top in the EPEC this year? What do you think, Park? Well, I think, again, and we've said this on the show, I think it's Martinsburg's to lose until someone knocks them off. They've, I can't remember the exact, it's been a, 2007. Like, it's been over a decade and a half since a team has beaten Martinsburg in the EPAC. So I, I just think until somebody does that, this is Martinsburg's division to lose. Outside of that, I think it, it's a wide open race. It, it is really a, you could have your field day. You could pick whoever you want. There's so much depth and so much talent across each team. You've got Hedgesville. They bring in Aiden Fleming. You bring in Gavin Young. Really, the X factor for Hedgesville is going to be, can Harper take that next step at quarterback? Because we've, we've heard the rumbles. We've heard the rumors. They have a really good freshman quarterback who's coming up this year. He's gonna, he's honestly going to be the future of this team. Can Harper hold that quarterback position down through this year? and into the future maybe or is it going to be this freshman who comes up and leads Hedgesville to what we think is going to be once again another playoff team Musselman Eli Fleming comes over from Williamsport Maryland is he able to take Musselman and soften the blow of losing Baden Hartman and Ray Adamas can Musselman rebound they got one of the better offensive lines in the state you've got Jefferson all their pieces that they've got they got Keyshawn Robinson a guy who's going to WVU next fall a guy in Rodrigo Delgado, who's a transfer from Washington, who's a pretty good running back. Spring Mills, Max Anderson, the like, all that, all that school over there. Can they take that next step? And we don't know what to expect with Coach Ray in Washington, too. They're now, they're all over the place. Now, do you think those additions in Hedgesville, and like you said, of course, they were a playoff team last year. They were a good team last year, but they lost a lot of big-time athletes uh, to graduation this past year. So, Luke, do you think that these additions for Hedgesville are enough to get them at least back to the playoffs as we see it now, August 1st. Back to the same level, yes. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see Harper and Ruest are two very different quarterbacks. You know, Ruest, a little bit a little bit more of a gunslinger, has a little bit more of a bra- uh, bravado, is a, a big, lanky lefty um, that can take some shots downfield. He's six foot four. You know, Harper matches him in terms of arm talent. He's more of a conservative passer. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. When you've got the weapons that he... I mean, DeMonte Martin might be the best wide receiver in the state. Mm -hmm. Gavin Young's not that far off. And we know that they've got more depth behind them as well, even though they lose Tanner Matthew from last season and Xavier Kirk's no longer playing football. Um, They they get some additions in their backfield. I don't know yet about their offensive line. I was going through rosters of what we know is coming back, and I was astounded uh, that Musselman and Martinsburg, as I have it, and I'll wait until I talk to their coaches to say it definitively, have their entire starting offensive lines back, which is everything in high school football. And I know that Spring Mills would be close to that number as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Hedgesville can maintain that same level um, of success and potentially even take it a step further with some of the additions and with everybody um, getting a little bit older. So, mm-hmm. like you said, um, I'm, I said yesterday, there's a, a clear case for five of the six teams right now, and we still wait to see what Washington's going to bring to the table year one uh, in terms of playoff teams. But at some point, they all have to play each other. So how many can make it? I think I would be shocked if it isn't four. Uh, and I, I think we're trending towards seeing five, which would be a huge statement for the rest of the state. But well, you think it's still Martinsburg's conference to lose? Well, so I'm looking at the schedule right now, and it's interesting. I, I will say it's interesting. I know people will laugh. Um, you begin the year against Clarkson North, and that's a game that we are going to be able to cover when they take the Canadian team on down in Ironton on that Saturday. And we're really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a ton of fun. But, you know, I, I, I they could be taking the field against the New York Giants. I have no idea how good a team from Mississauga is. But, you know, that's a game that they could lose. You look at what's interesting this year is Martinsburg doesn't pace out 
their EPAC games. Mm-hmm. You know, in years past, you'd be able to, you don't have to stack them up. You could play uh, an out of state team that's tougher and then play an EPAC and then whatever. They get them all in a row um, with Highland Springs sprinkled into the mix. But it's interesting the, the way that the EPAC schedule is presented to them. And as talented as the teams are, if there was ever a year for Martinsburg to lose that EPAC game the first time since 2007, that was time to do it. You get the team with the highest floor in Jefferson right off the bat. That's the first EPAC team you play on the 22nd of September, you know, with Harwich and a team that's going to be able to move the football because they've got him and Delgado and Roper and guys that can just run between and outside the tackles. Then you have Musselman, who probably has the best pocket passing quarterback in the EPAC right now, and Eli Fleming. So it's a completely different team. And then you've got Washington, who they're just going to throw everything at the wall and try to beat you. You know, they're going to get crazy this year. They're going to do some fun stuff. Then you have the Highland Springs game. Then you've got Spring Mills, who, if they carry over even 80% of their defense last year, will have one of the best defenses in the conference. And then you have Hedgesville who is gearing up and you know has put a lot of stock into that game late in the season of thinking that they could be a team that could be the first to beat Martinsburg. So the way the conference schedule is presented, if Martinsburg is vulnerable, that's the way the run-up would look for them to pick up a loss. At the end of the day, are they could, could they be so dominant they beat everybody by four touchdowns, of course. Right. Uh, but if there was a, a blueprint for them picking up the loss in conference play this year, the way the conference schedule is laid out right now, um, I, I could see that being a realistic possibility. I want to ask you guys this as well. I've thought about this with Martinsburg. Do we think the amount of out of, I guess, in-state games is hurting them come playoff time? Oh, they, yeah, they have no, is. But they have no other option. I mean, nobody wants yeah. to play them in the state. Well, and, and as Britt Sherman had said, and I don't know if this is going to change with Walker back, <laughs> but he said he had aspirations of playing teams mm-hmm. from Canada. They're playing a team from Cincinnati who they played last year in Cincinnati. They get them to come home. They want to start getting on the national yeah, scene. They're doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They want to, yeah. you know, I mean... Uh, they want to be IMG or something like yeah. that. And you can't fault them for it, trying to showcase this talent to the world. But to answer your question, yeah, when they have to go on the road in the playoffs, they shouldn't have – if they were just solely focused on winning state championships, they would never have to play a road playoff yep. Absolutely. Because they would play just in-state teams. They would be undefeated every year, and they would be the home team all the way through That's the Super That's how it's been six. for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now Britt Sherman is interested, and we'll see if Dave Walker continues the trend of going out and playing this really tough national competition, which helps the kids get better offers and try to get more Martinsburg guys to the Division One level because there was a long string of guys – you know, most notably Tyson Bajant and Gerard Bowie that were Division One level that got overlooked. And they, I, I, it's part of it is to say that we don't ever want to have a player like that overlooked from getting a full-ride scholarship mm-hmm. again. Yeah, for sure. So to answer your question, absolutely. If they play Huntington at home, they beat Huntington. There's mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind about that. But they didn't, and they lost. Yeah, and at this point, they don't have any other choice. Yeah. they got to play yeah. these out-of-conference out of teams. And it's so hard. It seems like it's so hard to get on the national level the national stage at a high school level because especially right and especially from this area because if you want to go play those teams you got to go to your central ohio's you got to go down to florida you got to go you got to travel to get these games in you know for any high school program Uh, well i guess excluding those imgs and things i mean it's tough to get to those games so you got to do what you got to do if you want to make it on the national scene i think they're doing the right thing but um it does hurt having to play all those out of state teams when you have such a tough local schedule as well yeah i mean again if you lose to north clarkson if you lose to highland springs i don't know much about don communities that team from cincinnati 
you know, if you're a three-loss team to out-of-state teams, you're going to get killed in the power index because right. mm-hmm. they don't know how to wait out-of-state teams. So if Martinsburg's 8-2 and two or 7-3, and three, they're going to go on the road, at least in the state semifinals if they make it that far, and probably in the quarterfinals as well, which is going to be tougher, and it gives them a tougher first-round draw. People forget, and I know that this Martinsburg probably didn't take this game seriously. Morgantown almost beat them in the first round of the playoffs last year. It was crappy weather. They were playing ball control, which is what Morgantown does, running the ball down their throats, and had a very competitive game with Martinsburg through three quarters. You know, those are the things that you avail yourself to when you play out-of-state teams and, and pick up tough losses like that. But it's what Martinsburg wants. It's what they wanted with Britt Sherman. Will they continue? Will it be a mixture of both with Dave Walker? Uh, now that he's back in, in, in charge of picking the schedule, I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting experiment, and it gives us an opportunity. I mean, this game coming up week one, like we talked about, that we'll hopefully be able to do North Clarkson down in Ironton. I mean, that's one of the biggest high-profile games that a team in the state of West Virginia has ever played, nationally televised on Flow Sports, which you can say if that's prestigious or not, uh, against the prep team from Canada that probably recruits and probably has the best athletes of that part of the country. So it's a high-profile game that Martinsburg has availed themselves to. Well, you can text us 304-263-4321. Who do you think is going to prevail out of the EPAC this year? Is it Martinsburg's conference to lose? Or, you know, will Spring Mills do something? Hedgesville, Musselman, or maybe Washington will uh, sneak up on some people this year. Text us 304-263-4321. We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. Coming up here in just a little while, we'll be giving away another uh, Orioles prize pack. Marsha gave away a really cool uh, Adley Rutschman bobblehead yesterday during Panhandle Sports Live. I was a little uh, jealous about it. I didn't uh, necessarily realize that one was in there, but some pretty cool stuff. Bobbleheads, t-shirts, hats. All the things uh, that you want for the Orioles will be giving that away in a little bit. But you always got to text us to win that stuff, 304-263-4321. Now, uh, pretty big news coming across the state uh, that's been matriculating a little bit but finally came to an abrupt end was Alders and Broadus University uh, out in Philippi, West Virginia. Well, they are closing their doors. They've been open since, well, it says here 19... Well, the Broadus Institute got started in 1871, uh, but Alderson Broadus College got started in 1933 over there in Philby, West Virginia. Now, I got some family connections. My parents went there. My great-grandmother, born and raised, lived her whole life in Philippi. Uh, my parents graduated from AB. So it was sad to see this come to an end, and it's really sad. I mean, we won't get into any of the financial issues and things like that. Hoppy and the like have been talking about that for weeks now. But the big thing uh, for me and that we've talked about is – now what are these students going to do? What are these athletes going to do? I mean, this happened at OVU two, three years ago where uh, I knew one of the kids over there was playing baseball, and all of a sudden, boom, he had like a month until the season, had tried somewhere new to play, find somewhere new to play, and a lot of these athletes and a lot of panhandle athletes are going through the same situation with AB closing its doors. Eight panhandle athletes uh, having to find some new places to play. So before we get into, you know, of course, talking about where these kids could end up and the journey that's ahead of them it's pretty sad to see a uh, long-standing educational institution and uh, institution that's had some pretty good sports albeit soccer baseball basketball throughout the years 
Uh, it's sad to see it shut its doors the way that it is. It, it is, especially in West Virginia, because what these schools represent, uh, they're not just, you know, shining gems of communities in terms of wanting to support their athletics and being proud that there's good academic institutions close by, uh, but they're huge job providers. So you not only pray for the athletes and hope that they're able to land on their feet, but the people that are now unemployed because these colleges are closing. I mean, we don't have to tell people what would happen if Shepard closed. Yeah. You know, it would be problematic. You know, people would lose a sense of pride in Rams athletics, but also a lot of people would lose their jobs. Uh, so that's what's scary about all of this. And it's a shame. And I, I'm sure we'll know more as the story unveils. It's a shame they drug it on this long because I wish that they would have given these athletes a little bit better of a fighting chance in June saying, hey, there's very little chance that we're coming back right. and that you guys need to do what you need to do instead of, you know, people were coming to campus. You know, they were getting ready to move in and then the utilities got shut off. Yeah, football like you, players are already there. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, um, uh, Hoppy, I'm sure, is going to cover it. But uh, always a local connection, eight different players from what I could tell. And if you know any of these athletes, you're more than welcome to come on the show and share your story, and we'd love to get you promoted. Yeah, and, send us some tape. We'll yeah, if, you, if, if you want to try to transfer in. But the eight that I could find um, is Josh Rush, who plays baseball and came from Hedgesville. Asias Ash, also from Hedgesville, is on the football team. McGuire Millard from Spring Mills is a lacrosse player, uh, a men's lacrosse player. Jordan Grimes is a, a, a female lacrosse player in volleyball who went to Spring Mills. Avery Bishop was a volleyball player at Martinsburg. Uh, Luke Barger, you know, that's something that's interesting to me. Luke Barger and Desmond Sloan, both soccer players from Musselman. I'll be frank, Shepard's soccer team's not great. I would not say no to them giving yeah. these guys a call. Yeah, for sure. Especially because Barger wears the number nine, uh, and people in, that don't follow soccer, that's usually the number you give to your most talented goal scorer. So he wore the number nine for AB. I wouldn't say no to him coming. I wouldn't say no to any of these athletes coming to Shepard. Um, and you also have Bryce Acker, who is a wrestler uh, at Musselman. So that's eight, at least I could find. If I missed one or two, you're more than willing, happy to correct me on that as well. Athletes that are hopefully going to find new homes. You know, what scholarships opportunities went away? I don't know what promises of minutes and playing yeah. time has <clears throat> gone away now. I don't know. Um, but hopefully as many of these athletes as possible can land on their feet. I know that other MEC institutions are stepping up to help these athletes academically. I don't know if athletically they're going to do the same as well, but it really is a shame. And the worst thing, too, this is, I believe, the second time in four years that an NBC school has had to close their doors due, due to financial issues. Urbana over in Ohio had to mm -hmm. close down back in 2020 because of this. Things that happened with the pandemic, they just – we're already in a rough spot as it was, and then just the pandemic did them in. But it's it's tough to lose a school like that. Just things how it goes. I I can't imagine being in that being in that person's shoes that mm -hmm. just wakes up one morning and says, "Hey, you're, you're, the school you're going to no longer exists. You got to go find somewhere else to go." I don't know if it's more scary athletically than it is academically. Is everything you did in school going to transfer? Do you have to stay another year? Do you have to stay another two years? That's that's a scary thing with things like this, and it's and there's been talks about it. There's been other schools within. I'm not going to name any schools specifically, but there's been other institutions in the Mountain East that have had and issues, the and in the PSAC yeah. as well. I mean, there was a while where we didn't know the status of a formerly Wheeling Jesuit, now Wheeling University. Mm -hmm. There was rumors they were going to close their doors. It's it's one of the it's one of the scariest things I think you can, and especially when you're in a small school conference like the Mountain East, like the PSAC, when you're not getting 
national exposure, huge TV deals, things right. like that can keep your school afloat. That's that's one of the scariest things. I, I hope all the athletes, first of all, land on their feet, find a school to land at and go to, and then be able to still compete in their athletics in at least some sort of capacity. Because I, being someone who was competing at the Division II level, I can't imagine the idea you getting ready to start your fall season and hearing, yeah, we no longer have mm. a team, we no longer have a school, you you got to find somewhere else to go at, at any that, level at, and yeah at any level too it's that's a heart-wrenching thing i'm feeling for all the players and all the athletes over at ab the staff all the teachers and all that right now that's that's tough too in that town of philippi we talked about it uh Phil yes, B. Phil, yeah. is it philippi careful yeah. philippi careful there all right philippi i can't imagine it for that town too because i mean at, a lot of times like that at least coming <laughs> from my perspective at concord concord is athens west virginia mm-hmm. that's it if Concord goes, it's just basically it's a really, really small retirement community. Well, That's here, it. I'll put it in a little bit of perspective for you. There's just over 2,000 or so people in Philippi, and AB was the leading employer of the town. So there goes, call it 50%, if not more, of your jobs and your job economy gone from the, from the town just because the school's shutting down, which is, I mean, yes, it's sad for the students, of course, the athletes, but... Let's be honest. They're probably going to land on their feet somewhere, right? It's for all the people in, you know, little old Philippi, West Virginia. They're stuck down in Barber County that now they've really got to figure out what to do, you know, because there's not a ton of jobs going on around there. And it was important to ask when when Chauncey was in, we talked about the financial strength of Shepard, and he's talked about how they've adapted to the times. The biggest number I can find or the, the most uh, number I would trust the most, CNBC says 91 colleges have closed since 2016. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is, like we said, a problem that's happening. You know, I remember they were talking about it on Sportsline, the the school out in the Midwest where the air raid originated from just that just closed its doors this past year. Um, so, you know, it, it's different. You know, the pandemic had a lot to do with that trade schools, yeah. which is great. You know, people yeah. can go to a trade school and make a lot of money right out of college that or out of trade school, I should say, have diminished the want of people to go to college. And a lot of these academic institutions across the state of West Virginia, another issue that they've had is over half of the population of the students that go to these colleges are athletes. Mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. propping up through their money that they're paying into the school and the athletics that are drawing for the school. They're using that money to prop up the rest of the university, and it's not always sustainable. And unfortunately, in Alderson Broaddus' case, it isn't sustainable. But again, you know, anybody that knows any of those eight that we named or anybody else, We'd love to have you on the show. Tell your side of the story. Tell how things kind of went down and, and anything we can do to help you try to land somewhere else and maybe come back home. Maybe come play in the PSAC and play for Shepard. Yeah, send, yeah. yeah, send us your tape. You can send it on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, we're pretty easy to find. But I think this is also um, kind of a story that says, hey, football, bringing football to your school might not necessarily change everything for the better. Because I think that was another kind of – uh, exit valve, release valve that they tried to do was having football, bringing that extra money in. You mm-hmm. know, you have the extra fans coming in to watch a game on a Saturday and that's things like that. But huge early investment, right? Yeah. Exactly, and that's the thing. They had to build a stadium, they had to put turf down, they had to get build it from the ground up. Which I, I am assuming here, of course, but I, I don't think that the the brass at AB might not have understood it's, how much of a financial undertaking that could mm-hmm. be. That's a huge gamble, and it's paid off for schools. Uh, yeah. In fact, we're going to see it happen here soon with Potomac State because I believe they're still planning on starting a football mm. program. 
I know that changes they're, by the day. Yeah, their financial situation is just about as good as yeah, AB's. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. but football was one of the things yeah. that they were trying to do to save it. So whether or not they follow through, we'll see if it's. But if JUCO football. How can JUCO football survive? There's no yeah. JUCO when football D2, around when here. When a D two program closes, how does a JUCO program yeah. survive? I agree. Like, who do they Potomac play? Potomac State's different with baseball because they're always gonna. That's always gonna be its own thing. But football, who, yeah, who do you play? I agree. I, I just I, I remember hearing right. that that's what they right. were going to do. I don't know if it would work or not. I, I really don't. I'll say one more thing. Um, I would put uh, a pretty heavy prediction that we're going to see the MEC have to add a school. Um, mm-hmm. Shepard's not going anywhere. Yeah, by the yeah. way, they're staying in the. They ain't going back. Yeah, they're not going back. I would assume that it would be Salem, uh, or they're going to try to approach. Is not Bluefield. Is Blue, Bluefield's not in the MEC. Bluefield is. Are they in, in the, the ECAC? I think they're in the. Is it the CIAA or whatever? Uh, that would be interesting like that. if they go that look. route too. But like you said, you lose Urbana. Um, Salem will be next, I would assume, uh, and they're going to try to add some teams to try to stay, you know, stay afloat and put more games back on mm. their team schedules. Because that's another thing. I mean, these teams are scheduled with AB on their schedule, and that's no longer a thing anymore. These MEC schools have to pick up games now. Oh, the sad day yesterday, seeing that uh, Audison Broadus is shut down. My dad posted a picture of his. Uh diploma and things put this big sad post up that's got to be weird man because i asked him i was like well does that matter now <laughs> do you actually have a, do do you have have a degree, degree now well, <laughs> is, is it valid anymore and uh just to confirm uh yes bluefield state went did go to the cia okay so I, I would they, ended up. they went okay yeah Bluefield i would see them try to get them back but i think sailor would make the first sense most, most sense logically so so, so a team that I thought about maybe making a full-time member into the MEC would be UNC Pembroke. They just joined, mm. I believe, it was when I was still over there. I think it was maybe 2018, 2019. <laughs> but they're, they are a football and indoor track exclusive member as of right now. Do they try and make Pembroke a full-time member? I don't see how you send wheeling basketball to UNC Pembroke Ooh, on Wednesday boy. night. I mean, <laughs> football rough. you can do on a Saturday. You don't want to, but you can. But I don't see... You know, as you know, the boys of Fairmont State baseball team going down to UNC, and like, and like, how far do you go for a uh, D two conference to make? Because we've seen this in the Division one ranks, and that's I get that's like comparing apples oranges at this point. How far does a D two conference go to try and expand and make themselves more stable? Because if if we're well, being, can, does the MEC have the money to expand? Or well, I think they do if they get the right programs. What happens if they go to war and they try to get Cal out of the PSAC? Because yeah. cows would be cows the, not leaving. I don't know. They don't I, got enough money to bring cow out of the piece. I don't know. I just just to propagate that question, right. you know, to say, hey, if you want to have more football success, you know, come <laughs> here and, and be the second best team right away. I'm trying to look also on the uh, to look at a, a, a you know slippery rocks probably yeah, too far away. It would away. be those uh, Pitt, Pennsylvania Johnstown, teams. Yeah, Johnstown ones, is what I thought Pitt of. Johns, I mean, IUP's not going anywhere. No. no, but I mean, do they go to Cal and Pitt Johnstown and try to throw some money at them mm. to try to keep their conference relevant? I don't know. Or does the PSAC go the opposite way and try to pack 12 of them and say, hey, and poach the you guys are going down. We'll take Fairmont State and we'll take West Liberty. And Probably Frostburg, not, too. Yeah, Frostburg. Uh, to yeah. help out, you know, to think, I mean, D2 and D1 athletics are very different. Like, yeah. you, It's not as much financially driven. But does the, the PSAC say, hey, we want to keep Shepard happy, like you said, and let's poach Frostburg. You know, because then Shepard actually has a team that's within spitting distance for once, and you don't have to drive five hours to go play Gannon. You know, would they, does the PSAC get a little militant and try to poach a couple MEC teams? I don't hmm. know. We'll see. Well, just to put a little bow on this, Parker, uh, the Audison Broadus talk, what would happen to, to um, what would happen in Concord if everything went down? What would happen in Athens if they shut their doors? 
Like what? What do you mean? Like just like if this happened? If this happened at if this happened if this happened at Concord, like AB, where just boom, you're you're gone, no more school. What happens? What happens to the town? Do you think? I mean, because AB is a is a cornerstone of that. It is that town. I'd say it's probably the same sort of situation we're talking with uh, AB that we would be with Concord and Athens right now. I think it it's it's that town is that's what really is in it. It really there's only like really three things in Athens. It's Concord University, a Dollar General, and the Deli, which is a gas station. So it's it's Mm -mm. tough for that community. I can't imagine being in that spot and losing a school like that. So I hopefully something pops up over there, over in Philippi, and things get okay, and it doesn't turn into what it could could potentially be for the worse. But hopefully things work their way out. Again, it's just really tough to lose a university like that. I'm feeling for everybody over in Philippi and all the. athletes uh students teachers and all the administration over it over what formerly now is alders and broadest university and like we were saying if you know any of those student athletes that are trying to uh well find somewhere to go now you can uh send us their information send us their tape send us anything you want about them over on our twitter page at ep sports network you can text it any of that to us as well at 304-263-4321 we'll step aside and be back after this on wpm and wcst the panhandle news network Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. I'm Jordan Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, let's just get a uh, kind of quick whip around the rest of the local headlines here. Shepard Women's Basketball, we talked about them off and on this summer. They are in the midst of yet another rebuild, but they've signed, I think, some pretty good key pieces, some future pieces uh, for this Shepard Women's Basketball team. But uh, another curveball that was thrown Coach Coffin's way was, well, she lost her assistant coach during this offseason, and that's a tough gig to fill, especially this close to basketball season getting started because at this point, pretty much everybody's, at least the coaching staffs, are already pretty much settled in, locked in, and they're uh, working their way towards this upcoming uh, basketball season. But we have a new women's assistant basketball coach over at Shepard, and uh, how are we feeling about the signing? I like it a lot. Kendra Bamberger is her name. She's similar in terms of her background. Coach Coffin was a standout at Millersville, has been coaching in the PSAC as an assistant. Uh, the big thing for her in her college career was she was a great rebounder, and that's something that this team has not done well uh, under Coach Kaufman. So hopefully she's – and a, not not due to lack of uh, Kaufman's ability to coach the mm-hmm. team, but just a lack of traditional bigs. So if they're not going the traditional big route, like we said, they've got a very small roster. Uh, they're going to have to rebound at a smaller size, and and that's potentially what Bamberg can bring to the table. She also knows the area, knows how to recruit. That's what she's been doing in the PSAC to help co- recruit against other PSAC teams. So it makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's a smart hire. Yeah, and a little connection there. She comes from Frostburg State, where she was coaching with former Rams coach, Coach Eckleberry last year. Now she comes over this way. I, I think it's a great p- pickup for this team because I think now is the point where they need to find an established a big for them that can rebound, that can work the post, that can kind of move the floor and open space up for your guards because we know what Coach Kaufman, I think her brand now wants to be, we have a focal point in the front court. And I think that's what they need to find somewhere, whether that's a transfer, whether that's recruiting a freshman, to be that centerpiece for the future for the front court. And that is going to help here with Bamberger to try and mold whoever that's going to be 
to be that focal piece in the front court here in the future for the Rams. So hopefully they find it here soon. I know they've they tried some different options. You've got mainly the bigs that they have returning this year, or kind of we'll call it semi-bigs. They're mainly more of a stretch four, maybe like a stretch three type of situation. You really don't have that five or that stretch or like that four that could go down to the four that could really just dominate in the paint rebound put themselves in that situation to clean the glass for the Rams so hopefully this addition will help that out well you talk about identity and I think the main thing is just trying to find an identity period for the team I mean they it's the second year right you're gonna have pretty much a completely new coaching staff again of course except for coach Kaufman so I think just in general they're trying to find an identity trying to find some coach Kaufman's trying to find you know, a flag to put in the ground and be like, look, come here. This is what to expect. This is what you're going to get. This is the leadership you're going to get. And I think once she really gets that solidified, once she finds the coaching staff she likes that has the same vision as her, that what the, you know, the same goals as her, which I'm sure they all, for the most part, do. But it's a big deal. I mean, it's tough to go recruiting. It's tough to build a team when you don't have your own team as a coach, when you don't have your own team really around you and your coaching staff. So I agree. I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good step forward for Coach Kaufman in this basketball team because with a couple of these signings, I think they have a legitimate opportunity in the next three, four years, maybe a little bit more, to be a contender again in the uh, in the PSAC. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the first thing you need to do is, is show that you can be a competent, competitive team, which right. I think they have the chance of doing this year. Like you said, they didn't have an identity. But they did, I mean, they they had a relatively consistent starting five, but the, the five that finished the game has changed all the time for Coach Kaufman, trying to find pieces. They played at a little bit of a slower tempo. Uh, because some games they didn't want to get run off the floor, and some games they were just trying to see what they have offensively. And now she's got a better grasp on who her returning cast is and the players that she's been able to bring in with a full offseason of recruiting. She knows how they're going to play. We expect it to be an up-tempo kind of run and gun just because that's the way the roster is constructed, but we won't know until we see them play. But now that she's got as firm a grasp on the personnel on this team as she's ever had, we'll see them play the way that she wants to. And and it should lead to you know competitive play for this team um, you know, Shepard doesn't have to win 20 games this mm-hmm. year for it to be a step in the right direction for the program. Frankly, they only need to win seven or eight, and I think they can win more than that. And then you become take that next step to get that next level of recruit to take that next step closer to, like you said, 500 ball, then a spot in the conference tournament, then a deep run in the conference tournament, and then hopefully the NCAA tournament. So everything they've done up until this point is to point this team in the right direction with swimming upstream. I mean, losing generational talent, losing a very good head coach, losing huge pieces from that roster starting from scratch and then starting from scratch again because they lose a lot from last year's team and, like you said, the coaching staff. I mean, it's it's an, an almost impossible task, and you really have to applaud Coach Kaufman's willingness to stick it out and want to be successful here. He's got just the right amount of stubbornness and and the willingness to get this team to where they need to, <laughs> yeah. and if anybody's going to do it, she can. Yeah, if there's one thing Coach Kaufman's going to do, she's going to get that team that she wants one way or another, whether it's going through 20 different you know lineups, 20 different players. She's going to find that lineup she wants. And the big thing is to... I think sometimes we like to forget that Coach Kaufman was hired very, very yeah. late in the process yep. last year. So, so was this really – this is her first offseason. Technically, this yes. This is her first full offseason, yeah. yes. absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's mainly finding the pieces that are going to click for her because last year, honestly, some of what was put together was just trying to field a team, to be honest with you. But now it's a real chance for her to really find players that she wants, she can recruit, bring in her class for what she wants to make. 
And I think the next few years are going to be important about that. We talk about doing things with the players you're recruiting and you're bringing in. Now Coach Kaufman has that opportunity. Most of the players that are from that Coach Eckleberry era team that is now a couple years in the past, for the most part, I'd say 85% of that team is gone. So this Mm -hmm. is a fresh start, new roster, new looks, new opportunities for a lot of people coming in. I'm excited to see how it's going to jump from year one to year two. Like I said, I, we're not expecting a number one seed in the PSAC tournament type of year for Shepard this year. We're expecting just a little bit of progress instead of one win. I think, honestly, five would be good. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just moving forward, I think, is the biggest thing. Because when you, when you basically take an NCAA tournament roster – wipe the slate clean, bring in absolutely everybody at the last, honestly, at the last minute it felt like with the coaching hire too. Now it's trying to build the pieces together. It's going to it's gonna take step by step, but I think Coach Kaufman, again, has the right idea. She's bringing in players. She re- she's going out and recruiting a lot, and I think in the next few years we could be seeing Shepard back to that prominence they were at just a few short years ago and again I want to mention the PSAC women's basketball scene is down this year it's not what it was last year Shippensburg I'm expecting to take a step back really the only team I think I'm seeing to be that's going to be any sort of dominant in the east anyway is going to be Westchester Mm -hmm. and that's it other than that I think it's a wide open field Kutztown's always going to be a tough team they're gritty their coach has been there a long long time uh Gosh, I'm blanking right now. Cal. Blo- Cal's always going to be good. Well, Cal, Cal's pretty good. Bloomsburg, I think they're a little down, but they could be good. They were good a couple years ago, too. But, again, I, this is an opportunity for him, for them to, I think, take that next step, especially when the PSAC's looking overall down on the women's side. Is that point guard for Shippensburg? she graduate? Yeah, Ariel Jones. Ariel Jones. Yeah, she graduated. Yeah. Man, she was tough. Good. I'm glad she's gone. Yeah, <laughs> she, she she's up there with one of the greatest – Division two women's basketball players of all Those time. Those games were fun, man. She's, she was a the side. Shepherd, uh, especially two years – Two years ago? Two years ago now with uh, that Shepherd girls basketball team. Them going up against Shippensburg. Those were fun games, Those boy. Were good. Well, the crazy thing was when they made that NCAA tournament run a couple years ago, Jones well, apparently was injured that entire yeah. season and didn't play. Yeah. Well, what was the game? Oh, no. Well, what was the game? Because uh, Beeman put up like 40-some yeah, uh, at Shippensburg. Who was the girl for Shippensburg that put up a I'll bunch? go find it. I thought it was I Ariel remember. Jones. No, she was. Uh, it was their other guard. I'll have to look that up. Because, uh, yeah, because that was, that was right the now. most exciting game between, I mean, apart from men's or women's. I mean, that game was insane. Abby Beeman just went off that day. She I was lo- Luke, she was, she was throwing yeah. stuff up from the opposite three-point line in that game and making it. It was it was incredible. But Texas 304-263-4321. We'll be back to wrap things up and get Parker's picks after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Alongside me is Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. We came close to ending July with a perfect slate with back-to-back days, but sadly, San Diego once again does what San Diego has done this entire season. Get runners in scoring position, but can't get a runner to score a run. It's it, it's a tough look for San Diego right now. Hunt, H- G- blah, 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 blah. Gunner Henderson was today's... What just happened? Somebody clipped that. I, it turned yeah, into a minion. So, yeah, I, I uh, had a malfunction. Sorry, the, you're, you're up. that the new open for Parker's picks. The, the Parker AI had a malfunction. 
But, uh, yep, Gunnar Henderson, two-plus total bases, was yesterday's lock of the day. He gets that. He gets four, and the Orioles win of the Blue Jays, four to two. Phillies end up beating the Marlins yesterday, four to two, but the Padres were unable to beat the Rockies, four to three, the final in that one. Going into today's picks now, let's check and see what we got. I'm going to go with today's lock of the day is going to be the Twins over the Cardinals. I just think St. Louis right now is their folding they're just saying they're mailing it in gonna go ahead and rebuild which is probably the smart decision at this point are they a poverty franchise now easy there uh, <laughs> easy there uh, maybe not yet they're, they're on the door <laughs> there's there's only one poverty franchise in baseball and i don't think we need to we don't even have to say their name we all know who they are uh, the hint is they they wear green and yellow. That's all I'm gonna say. You're but, gonna take an unnecessary nat shot there. So did I. I was I was no, ready for that too. No, I was 100 percent ready for that too. No, Patrick Corbin slant out of somewhere. Okay, Patrick Corbin slander is okay. <laughs> so Twins is today's lock of the day with the win. I got the Astros getting the win over the Guardians as well, and the Diamondbacks getting the win over the Giants. But today is Tuesday, and you know what that means. It is Dinger Tuesday once again. Since we started up, we went one. We've gone one for two on Dinger Tuesdays. We were able to hit Cody Bellinger last week on Dinger Tuesday. And today, I'm expecting your bomb, Jordan Alvarez, on Dinger Tuesday, hits a home run in that Astros win over the Guardians. Jordan Alvarez will hit one out over through the right side. The right side's a little oh, bit better. Oh, we're calling the, all of it. He's either Babe Ruth. He's pulling it. He's going to pull it to the right. He's a left-handed batter. He's going to pull it over into the right. Because here's the thing. <laughs> what inning? What's the count? Yeah, how many outs? Anybody on? Uh, one out. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> get a, get a, get a pat down. All right. All right. If I, if I get this exact here, I'm, I'm expecting somebody to send me Guess something. Guess who's watching the Barbie movie in the front row if you get it wrong. He, oh, <laughs> oh no, he's already seen it. He's already seen it. We can, we got to do something else. We gotta find, we'll, we'll figure something else out. <laughs> Dinger Tuesday. All people, the, the texters are hyped. They're hyped <laughs> for Dinger Tuesday. You can text us 304-263-4321. Got one saying, Dinger Tuesday, break out the thunder. <laughs> I love it. Just made Parker's day. I love it. So let's take a guess here. All right. What it's, we got? it's going to be the top of the fifth. Top five. Okay. Runner on second. Oh. Okay. He pull he pulls he pulls the fastball to right. Fastball. How many outs? What's the count? Uh count is two and two, one out. And what pitch does he hit? He hits a fastball. Okay. He fastball drills right. he drills that thing four hundred and twenty feet. <laughs> and who is it again? Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez for the Astros. Alvarez. All right, so top of the fifth. Mark this down, folks. The top of the fifth, we're going to get a fastball, or Jordan Alvarez is going to get a fastball. He's going to hit the right field, 240 And the fastball is going to be high count. and in, and he's going to drill it. If you get that right, I'm just going to be alarmed more than anything else. Maybe aliens are real. <laughs> Parker is a time traveler. Well, all right, real quick, aside, <laughs> since you brought that up, do you find it interesting that now that uh, the government says that UFOs are real and things, the video quality for UFO videos have skyrocketed? They suddenly have gotten better. I, I don't, I don't take. They're in all four K now. Dude. I don't take in many UK videos or uh, UFO videos, but you know, you're missing out on the fun side of the internet, man. Uh, quick real up, fun side. Quick update, by the way, uh, for Alderson Broadus and their football schedule. Their week one opponent is Cal. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did see <laughs> that. So Cal's going to have to new. find oh, the game. Gosh, how bad would Cal beat AB? I, I mean, right now they're going to beat him. In yeah, now they another. win. Yeah. yeah, now they win. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a forfeit or if Cal's going to have to go find another game, which I don't know how you can on that short of notice. Yeah, you've got yeah. what? 
a month. Yeah. Yeah, you got a month probably. So, I mean, the conferences will just have to play each other. But Again, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Got a texter saying, if Parker, not talking about your Dinger Tuesday all the way through pick, <laughs> saying if Parker gets this right, and this is a friend of the program, Will from WVEP Weather, Saying if Parker gets this right, I'll give him a free plug of his choice on the weather page. Ooh. Okay. Is he the okay. guy that was fired up about the thunder? Was yeah. the weather guy yeah. fired up about oh, the yeah. thunder? Okay. Oh, yeah. Our buddy Will from West Virginia. Eastern Panhandle weather. Go check that out. Of course, he's been on Panhandle Live with us a couple of times. But there you go, Park. We'll see what happens. See if you can do it. I hope so. And uh, you said you're one for two, right? Yes, one for two since we started Dinger Tuesday. The Even first though one, one of them was a Wednesday? Yeah. The, uh, the way gone Wednesday. The way gone Wednesday. Half and two is what he is right call now. call it that. <laughs> yeah, Bailey got a home run when we called for it. And then uh, who was our who was our first ever Dinger Tuesday pick? I think, was it Schwarber? I think it was Schwarber. And he ended up going for like 0 for 4 with like three strikeouts. <laughs> well, Parker, they want the Thunder. <laughs> We're going to give him the thunder. Give him the thunder with a dinger Tuesday. Well, uh, we got just about a minute left here, fellas. Anything else you want to hit? Yeah, two big notes from yesterday. Gordon Gee gets uh, an extension, president of West Virginia University. We'll talk about conference realignment here in just a second because Arizona might be joining the Big 12. But a massive in-state commit, Parker, has slipped through Neil Brown's fingers, which is a (laughs) disgusting look for him at this point in his tenure. Yeah, not good. Uh, One of the better players, the best player in the state of West Virginia, commits to NC State and Huntington's offensive tackle, Robbie Martin. It's a tough tough loss for West Virginia. He was a great talent to pick up. But, again, Tony Gibson steals one for the Mountaineers. So, Neil Brown's seat. A little bit more flames underneath it right now. Cavill's got another uh, NC State commit as well, so that's another one that got away from him. And obviously, Jeray Hawkins isn't in West Virginia, but they lost him to Florida. Uh, and like we said, uh, Arizona is meeting today. They're Board of Governors, and they might be the next team to come into the Big 12. So we'll see if the Big 12 becomes the, or stays as the Big 14. Well, West Virginia head football coach not recruiting guys from the state of West Virginia? What? <laughs> well, it's not that he doesn't want him. It's that he can't get him anymore, oh, okay. which is even worse, in my That's opinion. Yeah. It's not like Dana, who didn't care at all. It's Neil. It's <laughs> he just can't like, get him because the program him. is terrible. People don't think he's going to be the coach next year. You got to trust the climb, y'all. Trust the <laughs> climb, and it'll all be all right. But if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next for Parker and Luke. I'm Jordan. It's been Panhandle Sports Live with WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.